Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Scroobius Pip. This is episode 104 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. And this week's guest is James Acaster, who's one of my favourite people to talk to. And my word, do we ramble on and on and on. It's quite a, a long one this week. It's one that I could have turned into a two-parter. But I just thought, no, let's just let's just keep going. It didn't feel like a natural break or a natural stop. So it's just a, a long episode. So anyone who's struggling for space on their phone, I apologise. But yeah, I don't like to just sp- split them up. Just, yeah, I've, I've discussed this before. A, a lot of podcasts make them into two-parters because you get twice the amount of downloads and so on and so forth. But this one, it didn't have a natural break. I like I do that if there's a natural break and to give space on your phone so it's a smaller file, but it wasn't a natural break, so we just rambled on, which means I should keep this intro sh- shorter, really, shouldn't I? SpeechDeveloperRecords.com is normally the, the people I plug here and mention that um, you can come and support by doing that. But f- f- at the moment, the main thing I want to push is the Distraction Pieces podcast book and the Distraction Pieces podcast book tour. I've been blown away by the fact that numerous dates on the tour have sold out instantly so thank you for very very much for that but yeah we're going to be i'm coming on the distraction pieces podcast book tour it's a lot it's a lot of words isn't it in august and it's starting on my birthday august august 3rd where i'll be in london at the leicester square theater and that's the big one we're going to have a few previous guests there I'm going to be doing a sign-in. Obviously, the book will be out a day early then because it technically technically, technically comes out on August 4th. So come along to that. That's at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's still some t- tickets left for that. I strongly urge you to come along. Then we're going to be in Birmingham on August 4th at Waterstones. Then in Manchester on August 5th at Waterstones Deansgate. Edinburgh on August 6th at the Stand 3. That's one I'm going to try and record. And also on August 8th in Glasgow, Oran Moor, another one I'm going to try and record. And with again, with the Edinburgh one, if anyone's about, I can drag up. I'll, I'll try and get an extra guest in there, but I don't know who's going to be about and timing-wise and all that, but we shall see. August 9th, Liverpool Waterstones. Um, August 10th, Bristol Rise Records. August 11th, Brighton Waterstones. And August 12th, the homecoming, Stamfordly Hope Library. Um, the town I've lived in for, or at that point, I will have lived in for 35 years because I will have had my 35th birthday on August 3rd. So yeah, come along. Probably don't bring cake or or gifts, really, because the fact is you're going to think the gift's really cool and quirky. It's probably going to be shit. No offence. It's like I'm going to be, I'm going to just, I'm going to be leaving that night and I'm going to have just a carload of shit tat. I like you know the small gifts you get at Christmas like the Santa sack type gifts that you end up just throwing away it's gonna be like that isn't it really and again same with cake I love cake but this is a 400 cap venue if 400 in fact if you bring in a thing on the Leicester Square one on my actual birthday if it's cupcakes I'll I'll give them I'll, I'll go Doug Loves Movies if it's cupcakes or donuts I'll give them out to the crowd I'll throw them at you I'll share them um, but yeah, I'm not encouraging you to bring stuff because it might get messy. But yeah, that's that. I, I told you I'd do a short intro to this podcast. Then I anyway, all the links and details to pre-order the book and to get the tickets and come to these live podcasts. To be honest, the ones that are sold out already. If then I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. If you've got a copy of the book and if you're there, then we'll sort something out. If I have to come outside or come to a street corner or go and sit in a pub next door to get all your books signed i'll do that 
you know so um yeah if 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 you're coming to any of these if the tickets aren't available again i'm not saying turn up at this scheduled time because they're probably going to be half hour to an hour i guess of conversation and signings um it could be longer but yeah if they're sold out and but you've got a book then we'll make it work you know just come down and we'll figure it out i want to see as many of you as possible and sign for as many of you as possible let's get on with the podcast a ramble 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 this is james a caster i love the boy I think that's recording. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I can hear us now. Okay. Um, I'm joined by James Acaster. How are you? Mm. Sorry, I had a mouthful of peppermint yeah, tea. I did wait. It was bad. I think it? I've also taken your coaster. Um, oh, no, there's a few. Co- I mean, interesting. One coaster. It seems like a. We've got a loads of coasters, coasters knocking about in, in this flat now. Um, my flatmate Joe is very good at uh, getting stuff like coasters. Yeah. There we go. You missed that one. They all match as well. It's really—I mean—you can tell that this is like nothing to do with me. It's, anything I in mean, here. I was going to say I'm very impressed already with your pad. The thing that jumped out to me instantly was the projector and projection yeah. screen. So again, that's not me. But so everything in this room is like—it's nothing to if do. If you're with thinking, you. "Oh, James is way cooler than I thought," yeah, you're wrong. This well, is I all was thinking that there's a wonderful DVD collection. Yeah, good is. Blu-ray collection. I've just had yeah. an embarrassment of I got Deadpool in the post. Yep. today absolutely great. loved it think it's great yep. ordered it really early posted a picture of it and everyone's asking about my 4k setup right. i've got a 4k setup i ordered a special edition thinking it was like like one of them still book ones right that look oh, all okay. pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, i'll spend extra because it's a great film or whatever looking nice yeah. it's not still book it's just 4k and what's 4k it's like a fancy tv that's extra uh, high res so or something. Even watch and it. sound and everything as well it's the one i've got says it's 4K, it's Blu-ray, and it's DVD. Oh, okay. So it it works on anything. Yeah. But everyone's like, ah. Oh. All, all yeah. tech nerds online are being like, wicked. Like, <laughs> what's your setup? It's like, just a TV and a DVD player. <laughs> or a Blu-ray player, but yeah. I was surprised. I, I, I saw the trailer for that, and I thought, nope, absolutely not. I'm going to hate it. I love it. So I didn't watch it. Yeah. And then on the plane, recently, I was on a plane, and I... For, and it was this wasn't many things I wanted to watch. And yeah. I thought I'd put Deadpool on; it'll be a plain film. It's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And interestingly, you'll get joy out of it now if you watch it properly. Because on the plane, they've cut out a lot of stuff. Oh, right, okay. um, kind of weirdly, they've left in all the blood. Yeah, and I think all the swears. Yeah, but cut out any sexiness. Oh, right. and the sexiness in Deadpool isn't like it's comedy yeah. sexiness. It's not okay. like you're gonna want to be on your own to watch it. It's, yeah. like, it's it's a comfortable thing. But yeah interesting choice of editing rather than the thing on planes maybe that's the thing it's like like we cannot have people getting horny that was exactly i heard someone ranting about this on a podcast i can't think which podcast can't for the life me think but um i think that's exactly it it's not about um oh it's it's, it's, doug love movies doug loves movies podcast which is great it's not about the gratuitousness it's just people are watching blood is bad but or is okay. Yeah. But people m- masturbating on a plane. Yeah. Isn't isn't as okay. So yeah. I think there's more. It's more that it's more rather that than a censorship thing. Keep the vibe on the plane okay, and the general tone of the plane and the passengers not yeah, sexual. Not too sexual. Yeah. Um, although 
stewardesses are like an ultimate a fantasy, aren't they? People? Yeah, they're, they're, they're they? made to be very attractive and sexy, yes. and so there's a sexuality there. I don't yeah. know how we got onto this this subject. Already um, onto sexuality, and I'll I'll get onto my pre-prepared. This wasn't pre-prepared? Um, that wasn't pre-prepared. Um, I mean, I think you can imagine what my first question is going to be. I think you've answered it a million times. But w- why is there such a hard A at the start of your name? <laughs> it's James Acaster. Like, like, with, yeah. with, 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 with again, it's not A again mm-hmm. or about, A about. Yeah. If someone says A again, yeah. they sound like a moron. It's like an idiot, yeah. Yeah, they sound like a, a, a fool. But it's yeah. not James Acaster. No. It's, it's very, it's prominent, A-caster. it's Acaster yeah. or Acaster, depending on what part of the country you're I don't know why, from. it's just always been, that's, that's always what I've been raised as, that's my name. And so every time someone hasn't said that, to me it feels like, to me uh, Acaster doesn't feel, that's not a full name. It doesn't feel like a name, it feels like it has to have that punch at yeah. the beginning. it feels um, like the on, end of something. On my questions I've noted the word area and about as the two examples. So <laughs> area, it's not, our, again, our... our yeah. Area. A- area. Area. Yeah. 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 It's not really... I can't think of any example where people just do that again, but well, yeah. There's n- I, I just, couldn't it, find any others that have have a hard A. Other names of Caster at the, at the end. It's sort of like Lancaster. And like, yep. you know, or Doncaster's a place. Yep. Yeah. And it's all just... is a punch and then the Caster can come afterwards. Yeah. And with, with my name... You've got to get all that punch from one letter. You've got to jump in. Rather than from a full Lan or Don. Yeah, yeah. You've got to go straight in there. Do you think that's restricted you in your career or helped you? Help me. That's going to be the main topic of the podcast. Definitely helped me. Yeah. Acaster has, has helped me. Just <laughs> hit him with a name. Yep. And then you can use... But I mean, the main challenge, obviously, early on was following, you know, following that up. Yeah, yeah. You've you got that, you've got that huge impact. Um, the second prepared question was, do you have anything to do with Acast, who, uh, who put my podcast out? Yeah, um, I, I don't. But... A great platform. I recommend them. Yeah, um, yeah, they're very good. Um, they 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 were in all all the all the all the financial papers a little while ago, right. and because I was the first kind of kind of podcast to push them and to get out there on them, um, all the financial headlines were poets podcast or the big one in the financial times thing was poets podcast platform gets five million dollar investment and a big picture of me uh, so it looked like i'd had a five million dollar investment yeah. which i hadn't yeah i hadn't that's very off brand um but yeah i wondered if that was um anything no, to do but with I think the you. first time someone did a tweet with both of us in it was because of that yeah oh really <laughs> so, so, so i think you tweeted about your podcast and acast was in there and then yeah. we tell you who should get on it yeah just because of his name straight away it makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? And finally, is that a cast or a cast? It's a cast again. It's that hard day. That's the only. It's to try and they must have named it to try and make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, try, try and bring another in. thing in there that's a cast, a team. Yeah, there, but there's a dash. But yeah, a bomb, a bomb. Yeah, it's not. But it's, it's not, it's not, always, a dash. not always positive, is it? <laughs> um, I'm looking up at your DVD collection now because it's in alphabetical order. Which um, is, Joe's done that. Or Joe, it's, it's not. It's, it's not what I do. I, not on Joe enough. I choose to, if you could let Joe know, yeah. I organise mine by um, colour of the box. <laughs> so <laughs> all the red crazy. boxes are together, all the white boxes, all the yeah. black boxes. Honestly, it's a good way to it it's looks a good way nice. to run things. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, and you'd be surprised how themed it is. So well. the white with red writing section, yeah. generally kind of comedies and stuff. Oh, the yeah, black yeah, spines yeah. are always quite moody. A black and red or black and white writing always quite yeah. thrillers or dramas yeah um yeah i do mine in like normally like 
director or something like that. Nice. I just clump those together. That's good. I like that. I, I, I like it when there's either actor or director, a little a section yeah. for. Yeah. I recently I bought, um, I'm about to go to Edinburgh and uh, sharing a flat with a load of other comics. So every day we're going to watch a different film, film club together. Oh, fantastic. And uh, we're trying to decide what to what films to choose. quite hard to... Yeah. Or decide on ones we try to think of a theme so we could just surrender ourselves to that. So That's always fun. We're watching the last 28 Best Picture winners from the Oscars. Nice. So we're going to do that. So that's a nice mixture then. Because you get really a nice good. mix of I was, stuff. I was going to throw a recommendation in there and I reckon it will get the Oscar next year for Best Foreign Film. Mm. Even though the bulk of it's in English because it's a German film but the lead characters one's Spanish and one's German so right. a lot of it they're speaking in broken English yeah. and then the subtitles when they're, they're talking to their own friends but a film called Victoria which is another oh, one yeah. I got today the one take one blew me away all, all in one take and I hadn't really realised it was a one take one which yeah. is weird because I'm obsessed with one takes I hosted the, yeah. the one take the yeah. short awards I've done a load of videos that are one take but yeah. man it's a it's a beautiful p- a I try I try to go and see it um before a gig, I didn't have enough time. It was going to overrun, mm. so I watched Son of Saul instead. Was that good? Really good, but a really intense film to watch just before you go and do a gig. Yeah, and try to make people laugh. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a, a a tour to promote my 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 book that comes out in August, and I'm going to be making it up to Edinburgh actually, and hopefully mm. I'll come along and catch your show. <laughs> um, but on that, I'm really excited because I'm doing it on my own. Yeah, and. Odium recently sponsored the podcast and they gave me an unlimited, a limitless card, right? Which is just free films That's and you can buy them as a season sweet. card, They're really good, good value. But yeah. particularly with how expensive the cinema is these days, but my excitement on that was right, I've got to do yeah. a book gig type thing every evening, <laughs> yeah. But I've got the whole day to travel from that place to that place, I can just find yeah. an Odeon, yeah, and watch and watch films all, That's the all dream. week. Although, you will, how, how quickly are you going to run out? It's August, so yeah, yeah. you can have all the summer okay. blo- blockbusters yeah. out. I've seen already that S- Suicide Squad comes out while I'm doing it, mm-hmm. and that might be a double viewer. It feels like it's going to be one I could watch twice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite excited about that. But let's get back to you, maybe. Oh, Shall we do that? <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. I've been on your podcast slash radio show slash TV show. Yeah. numerous times yeah you're the, you're the person who's done it the most it's, yeah, I've, yeah i've done all of them i did yeah i did well you, you, did, did, you did the podcast yeah uh which was also on the radio and then you did the pilot the, the taster episode yeah for the I feel a bit grandiose calling it a tv show because it is online show but it's bbc3 and bbc3 yeah. is it, if they hadn't recently switched online which incidentally i think is a great thing i know there was a lot of save bbc3 i think they're gonna bring the BBC into the into the, the modern uh, uh, world because of this. Because mm. I do think with, with Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Fight Pass and the network and all these different things, TV's moving online hugely. Yeah. So I think the BBC suddenly having this whole online yeah. channel with really good stuff, mm. l- I like Murder and Success, Phil. Right, like, yeah, you've, changed, yeah, yeah. You've, you've changed the name of, of your show. No, I don't even get me started on that. Yeah, they changed the name. Yeah, because I I, I, I... I didn't decide that name. Um, I, th- I think you probably knew when you saw it, that's not a... <laughs> what is the name of it now? Hang on, hang on, I want to find it. Yeah. Sounds Random. It's called Sounds Random now. 
Yeah, but yeah. That's, that's good still. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of it, but we had to call it something. Yeah, uh, and but there's more people than just me who get to decide these things. So. It's, it's, it's something oh. I really like. I've, I said the, I'm, I'm, I'm not painfully polite so if i didn't really enjoy it and really enjoy sitting down with you and talking about music i wouldn't have agreed to have done it so many times so yeah. it's a really good concept and idea so basically it's you get a guest in and they put their ipod mm. on shuffle yep and we just see what comes up yeah. and discuss preferably that's discuss what happens tracks. yeah yeah sometimes that wasn't what happens sometimes people had cheated and made a playlist right and with a lot of those people you could tell pretty yeah. early on i'd say yeah every now and again they do that and i'd kind of go this is a playlist isn't it and they go yeah I, <laughs> and I, the- i'll be honest i made a playlist yeah. but yeah it was only to exclude all the, the stand-up yeah. i've got on and like as as you will have seen if like if anyone's yeah. listened to the podcast version or hopefully all of you will go and watch the the bbc3 version it's not like I had a slew of cool songs coming up. Yeah, that's because I had some really yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, and that's crap a different on one. It's like you know, you just took out the ones that the are stuff like that wouldn't be usable. Voice yeah. memos and stand up. That and was you, exactly you, you, the, you did it. So it's all the music on your iPod and you put it yeah. on shuffle. And the first time we did that's it, fine. I just started auditioning for stuff and getting into acting. Yeah. And the way I was learning lines would I'd I'd record myself. I had no one to practice with. I'd record myself in the other role. Yeah, and and leave gaps yeah. and talk back and forth for myself, and I almost couldn't sleep one night thinking about if one of those comes up, I'm just <laughs> going to feel so embarrassed. And me going, I would have seen four. Would have been like such a wally. So that was the yeah. Uh, that's a lot okay. It, I'm yeah. okay with people just going right. It's all the music on my iPod, and let's put it on shuffle. Some people were yeah. just putting making a playlist of ten, fifteen songs. That they've got cool anecdotes and about. What? That's the thing. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They just called. So this songs made them look, look cool. This. So like uh, one person at one point, a song came up and I was like, I hadn't heard the song before. So we listened to it. I was like, yeah, it's a really good song. How, how did you get into this guy? I never heard of uh, this guy. And she was like, oh, I heard it uh, uh, recently. So last night I downloaded it to put it on the playlist. And I went, what? And she went, oh, sh-. And she realised, oh, shit. <laughs> I, was, I was like, so literally you have no story about this. You totally heard it this week. Out. You thought, this is a cool song. It's a cool song. I, I put it on here, I look cool. But I've got nothing to say about it. I, and don't, so sometimes... I don't think anything came up on my shuffle that was in post, post the turn of the millennium. I think all of mine was <laughs> oh, like you bad had, you had young stuff. fathers come up. I had young fathers come up. That's that right. was one They're of the things. What was nice about um, doing the series was uh, you do it with the same crew and the same dancers as well. Yeah. We had dancers reenacting people's stories. So we yeah. have uh, we had four or five, maybe yeah, five five contemporary dancers on rotation uh, who would reenact the conversations we had a few days later. Yeah, uh, and uh, they'd also do dances to the songs, so that we had like almost music videos to cut to all the time. Amazing! I uh, was really proud of those bits and really liked them. And the people doing the dances were. Uh, so good and so good at coming up with stuff quickly and yeah. there's a choreographer who's, who, called Josh who was really good at that as well um, but what was nice is that we would obviously this meant we all heard these songs way more than you guys did yeah, we had to just yeah, listen to them all week yeah. and like you know do stuff over and over again and people would get favourites and that Young Fathers one yeah. was one of the favourites of the we had 15 guests remember nice uh, and that was definitely one of the favourites of the series that people really liked there was that Fantastic. one and um, I think someone uh, that 
rub it on my belly like Guava Jelly song came up, which was by, I think, someone Nash. I can't remember that, but that was a, I think that was uh, quite a highlight. Yeah. It's a really nice, really happy song. I like that. And I like that you've got, um, yeah, I love, again, that element and that that weirdness of it, the the oddness of them, them interpreting our conversations or the stories. Because basically what it tends to, spawn or what i guess you hope it spawns is some stories or some memories of when you first heard yeah. it or to do with when you were gr- gr- growing up or whatever else yeah. and again all every time that we've done it it's not been repeating the same stories it's yeah. been kind of just even rambling when similar on. bands come on yeah you know you still have other things you can say about it and uh i think yeah. when it's genuinely on shuffle as well you can really tell the difference between someone you can see them and they're sitting down and they're looking quite nervous yeah and then the song comes on and there's either this and there's just a rush of something in them because either they're relieved or they're embarrassed or yeah. whatever it is. And then they've always got something to say about it. Yeah. So even, even like when it's someone they're not particularly into low, but, but they, they instantly have to justify why it's on their iPod, what's it, why, what it's doing <laughs> on there. There'll be a story about that if it's yeah. not something they're particularly into. Yeah. And they'll have something to say about it. Whereas it's weird that if it's prepped, they've almost got less to say. Yeah. Because they go, right, and now James Brown's about to come on. This next one and that's is it. James Brown. Yeah, and they go, this yeah. is James Brown. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like, if it comes on, they go, ah, like, oh, because then they're just so happy that they get to look cool because yeah. James Brown's come on on shuffle. Yeah, and, and they're no quite story. enthusiastic and get to just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it, I like it. So um, who are a few of the other guests you've had on? Because I know the day that we were doing it, you had a Billy Bragg coming in. Billy Bragg's coming in. Which instantly I was so like, that's going to be fascinating because yeah. he's... He's such a nice and interesting dude, yeah. but equally, he's not someone you'd... In- That's why I'm excited of you having a show on BBC Three, is, is Billy Bragg isn't someone you'd instantly think yeah. of BBC Three producers to pick. Yeah. Oh, let's get Billy... Well, they didn't pick him. Billy Bragg. <laughs> That's my idea. Exactly, so it's that, it's that <laughs> yeah, interest was, of getting yeah. some more... Yeah, um, he was great. Um, really just like... You know, he's, he's got a lot to say about music and yeah. stuff, so whatever came up. Also, he... he um, I don't think he made a playlist, but he was completely unfazed with whatever. He wasn't nervous. He was sitting there going, because he's not going to be, he's Billy Bragg. He's, he's like, I don't care what dude. comes up. Yeah. Like, you can't, can't embarrass me. Yeah. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts came on at one point and he was like, yeah, Great. absolutely owning Tune. it. And just like, you're talking about how it's a good song. <laughs> sang at a karaoke once with his son. Um, Big Nasty came on. Nice. Um, who, <laughs> Big Nasty just, uh, you know, obviously famous for uh, getting high whenever he can. Yeah. That's, that's his brand. That's, main, and, that's mainly his brand. Yeah, it was no different. And of course we had beanbag chairs. Yeah. So seeing a very high man yeah. on a beanbag chair yeah. is a sight And to he's behold. not a small man. He's not so a small he's, man. He's, 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 he's consuming that beanbag chair, <laughs> I'd completely. imagine. I did a track with Big Nasty years ago. Yeah. It was with Akira the Don and Big Nasty and Eddie Argos. Yeah. Uh, weirdly. And... I loved him, and I think he's. I'm so glad he's blown up more and more. Yeah, like just popularity wise, because I think so much of his appeal is just him. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's like yeah I'm, I'm yeah, a big absolutely. fan of Big Nasty. There's not particularly a one song that I can say, "Oh, this is it." But yeah. I like everything I hear of him, yeah. and I just like him as a as a weird a, a weird little character. Yeah, he's he's funny, but he's also like he was one of those people who whatever came up, he had something to say about it. He he um. He f- probably you tell he's probably thought about things in his life, and yeah. like so. He, he, yeah, he can go on for a long time about music to you, yeah. which is really good. Like having a proper music chats with people that people maybe don't expect it from, yeah, and stuff like that. And um, I mean, one of the uh, frustrating things with the series, in a way, was that it was 
very short episodes. Right, yeah, of course. Because uh, it's online. So, like, we had to cut out some stuff, which I was really chuffed with. Mm. And, like, cause we, you know, we had to get certain people on. Uh, so we had... Um, uh, I should remember his surname really, but Tom from The Wanted, on, yeah. who are like, you know, a boy band who, like, I think he knew that I wouldn't really listen to him yeah. or anything like that. But uh, the chat was, he was fascinating and he had yeah. so much to say about how it's actually quite rubbish being in a boy band a lot of the time and, you know, writing songs for radio isn't very fulfilling yeah. and things like that. And I was, I mean, <laughs> and then the edit came in and like, I mean, we can't put it all in. Yeah, and I was, I wish we could just have that whole conversation because it was yeah. really, when you get, people like that talking about music um it's really interesting and also on the flip side it kind of exposes certain people as well when they're put in a position where they have to talk about music and they got nothing yeah yeah and you're like, not oh, really okay. into it and it's not who you'd expect as well there's certain people you're yeah. like, oh i thought you'd have a lot to say but you don't it's one of the things i think that was nice that we instantly c- connected on was almost um a youth of of of, of music that you wouldn't particularly it definitely wouldn't be on any I want to look cool playlist. Oh, yeah. yeah so there was yeah. a lot of stuff, I think, I'm sure I think I had Alien Ant Farm yeah. come up on one of them and things like yeah. that that we yeah. were like... And <laughs> a friend of mine sent me a thing recently because Alien Ant Farm are playing at our local venue in November, <laughs> Chinneries. I went, Lovely. you'll love that. And I was like, mate, they're being supported by Head PE who are also <laughs> adored. And I've seen yeah. both of them before. I was like, I genuinely can't wait for that gig. That's going to yeah. be amazing. But again... I'm being sent by mates who are trying to mock me, going, all yeah. right, you'll enjoy this. I, yes, I will I, I enjoy this. I will enjoy it. I really love it. <laughs> but when I went to see Limp Bizkit, uh, I thought I was doing it ironically until they started playing. I was like, this isn't ironic. I love this. Mate, <laughs> so much it. good stuff. It was weird. I had, this is a bit of an, a name drop now, but um, someone who's, who I've been, been working on bits on my next record with, I don't know if, if we'll get round to doing anything is Wes yeah. Borland yeah. and we chatted a bit online and I was in LA and we were going to meet around my mate Danny Lonner who was in Nine Inch Nails and, yeah. pr- and producing Tradiction uh, we were going to m- meet around his and he was being a bit flaky and Wes just said look do you want to just meet up and have some lunch I was like yeah cool <laughs> and because we've been ch- chatting that much it was mm. similar it was all casual it was like it's yeah. no big deal as soon as I got there I sat down I was like that's Wes Borland <laughs> yeah. how fucking awesome is this yeah. you know and, and again there was some absolute tunes break stuff yeah. i still maintain really is fun. one of the the most emotive songs yeah he's ever a, written he's one of my heroes i yeah. think i think no matter what i will ever think about the biscuit my whole life uh there's bound to be a point where i go no no no, no just none of it not at all <laughs> but like whatever i think of him i will always think he's a legend and yeah. always be like just to see i think seeing people doing their own things so a lot of the time you know it's quite easy you know, solo artists or comics or something like that and you see them doing their own thing but you rarely see someone in a band who is still doing their own thing compared to the rest of the band within the band which and, is and that was the fascinating thing I had him on the podcast and it was fascinating hearing him saying at the time the kind of conflict of that was yeah. Limp Bizkit blew up with the kind of frat boy crowd and, yeah. and Wes is kind of your art student type type guy so yeah. it was a really he, he found it a weird thing to be this guy with crazy face paint and body paint yeah playing to loads of drunk frat boys yeah all with their fred durst caps on it's like a really weird yeah conflict and, and juxtaposition i still get all the time there's a as a ramstein a yeah. documentary in which they interview wes and he's wearing a scroobius 
Pip t-shirt Ooh. and people send me it all the time yeah. every time I'm still like yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. happily be reminded nice. about that yeah exactly um so you're 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 you you are you're you a musical upbringing I mean first of all I went on your wiki as everyone does to yeah. get some information it's been ch- someone's had a field day on there recently so I was gonna say not true it, are you anything to do with it because no. there was so much nonsense on yeah, there yeah. it's hilarious yeah it got brought up to me recently constant it's it's yeah. absolute nonsense I I for some, for some reason I assumed it was it was your nonsense because it's yeah. so it's like it says about you being yeah. born in the Congo or something and raised yeah. by it's quite in keeping goes or with something. my general yeah. brand so it's kind of alright so, but like uh, yeah someone as, as someone is interviewing me and said is it true you were struck by lightning I was like no where's that come from <laughs> and then there was also on your Wikipedia so I went on there I was like oh yeah someone's absolutely they've gone to filled their boots it's so. a good read though I, I recommend people yeah. can have a read but the thing that got me with it is there's fact mixed in yes with the fiction so yeah things like people you've gigged with or yeah. things like that are all are real but then it'll also say just really weird bizarre surreal yeah. stuff and it's like man this the cleverest it. one they've done is that they've added one fake band name in brilliant. with the list of bands i used to be in brilliant so and you can't quite tell no nah. Which one it is? Because they're all stupid names. Yeah. So like they've added one stupid name in with a bunch of stupid names. I, I love it. So 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 what I all I really took from the notes there was um, you grew up in Kettering. Yeah, is that accurate? Please that is tell true. me that's true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> no, that's that's a, yeah, yeah. That, that's fictional. Um, you grew up in in Kettering, and and we've discussed before. You were kind of you grew up in bands and yeah. making a music. Are what kind of bands what are some of the actual band names and what kind of of music and that were you kind of yeah well in order so the first band was i think it was when i was 15 it was called pin drop and that was a new metal band and that's nice. a classic new metal name pin drop's a great new metal name that it's yeah classic matthew butler on guitar who was a big joe satriani fan so nice. and we never really settled on a vocalist so all the songs were like new metal songs with a really big fancy guitar solo out of nowhere. Like I mean, noodly guitar. Solo. I mean, y- y- a lot of people would say in a band that the vocalist is a key is yep. a key point. Like you'll often have a band that yep. the same vocalist and the band changes around a lot. Yep. How did you have a band that didn't really settle on a vocalist? Did you? We just had a different vocalist every people? gig, uh, <laughs> and um, they would all. Also, there weren't there weren't any set lyrics to the songs or vocals to the songs. So they would all do their own vocals. <laughs> to the songs so it would change so it was the same backing track with someone doing their own interpretation of the song over the top of I it I mean that's hugely indulgent as a band yeah yeah. I mean the the lyrics and vocals that's not really yeah. important you do what you want to do but yeah. the, the key is this is this this four chord yeah, guitar line what we're doing um, so yeah that was, I, mean, I think our final gig was just no vocalist and just Brilliant. us doing instrumental new metal songs with guitar solos in them I bet they went down a treat in Kevin. oh people loved it and then we closed weirdly at that gig I remember we did all, all the uh, all, all, all our own songs and then at the end me and my brother who was the other guitarist just stayed on stage and played Albatross by Fleetwood Mac nice but completely like not a new metal version just as is just did it beautiful and uh, i like that did that go down well yeah well that went down better than everything else like this you know a middle-aged couple just started dancing to it really happy that we were playing it nice and um, if if, it feels like that thing where um sometimes you'll have someone like um i mean brian gittins is an example but um neil hamburger more someone like neil hamburger where he'll do a whole load of appalling jokes and then 
he'll have one that's actually a really like the point of the yeah, purposely yeah, yeah, appalling. Yeah. He'll have one that's really well crafted, yeah. and it will just hit so hard, and it'll be great because you've yeah. you've set them yeah. up to expect this thing. That feels like you yeah. did that, that, that did there. That. It's like let's do twenty minutes of yeah. instrumental new metal. <laughs> And then, I mean, it's it's intriguing because you'd say new metal is a combination of of metal and rap. Yeah, yeah. So you've taken out the rap element, but it's still I love it. The drums were quite, yeah, still quite Quite hip hop, hip hop, and uh, yeah, maybe the bass and stuff. But um, so that was the first one, and that lasted about a year or whatever. And then um, I was in the new hardcore skiffle movement, who uh, (laughs) were a. Course you were. Yeah, it was just a, a hardcore band, so like each song was about a minute, and um, we listened to a lot of Nerve Agents and stuff. Nice. And then, and uh, so it was that kind of stuff, and um, not quite minor threat, more like Nerve Agents. It's more like yeah. Nerve Agents. So it's, it's that kind of stuff. And uh, that band, so that band was together for a little bit, and then it was Three Line Whip after that, which was a post-hardcore so band. Three Three Line Whip. Yeah, free line whip. It was a political term that we didn't understand. We just we just decided to call, name myself after a political term. Perfect. I'm happy with that. Um, I still don't really understand it, but uh, <laughs> so that was just like almost the same lineup as the new hardcore skiffle movement, but with more singy vocals. Mm-hmm. So I still like, love the new hardcore skiffle movement. Yeah, it's just a, and that was it's a hell of a movement there. A very good band name. Is then, that all of them? How many bands were there? This is a great list. It's like five, I think. Because then there's the, the Capri Sun Quartet. Oh, that's a hell of a name. Yeah, who uh, we all drank Capri Suns uh, off stage, not on stage. Not on. I was going to say that's got to be. Surely yeah. that's got to be part of your on stage. Yeah, absolutely uh, didn't do it. Vibe just to, to yeah to get it over. But Should no, have done that. no, just off stage drinking Capri Suns uh, in the canteen at college, and uh, that was a folk funk band. Brilliant. So my friend B was, was a again. folk singer, and uh, a bunch of us just became a backing band, and we decided to play really funky back into it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the band I was in for the longest was called The Wow Scenario, and was me and my friend Graham trying our best to reinvent all of music any way we could. It was oh, our. Wow. It was a real big. And I really don't regret this uh, part of my life at all. I'm quite happy that I did it. Um, it was, I don't know if you've ever had this, when you just kind of go, there's no point at all in doing this if we're not going to change everything. There's no Brilliant. point. Brilliant, uh, yeah. And I don't really share that view as much now, maybe, but like at that, at that point, we're like, there's, everything is has already been done, so we're going to do something different. And like just the act of trying to do that. Yeah. I think it's very uh, we just get a lot out of it, and um, it moves it's you that forward freedom. as a person. It's, yeah. it's that, that that freedom of well, we're not trying to do this yeah. to be the new this or the new yeah. that. Therefore, the only goal is to do it. Yeah, and then once it's done, it's a success because yeah. we've done it. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? I still no don't know if we did it. Such. I still don't know if we did it really. Like we um we uh. <laughs> When we decided to stop doing it, um, we recorded an album because we didn't want to lose the songs. Every time yeah. you band and then afterwards you go, oh, I wish we had those songs now. Yeah. How did that song go? So we thought we'll record it, but professionally. And there was this guy called Chris who we'd met who wanted to record us. We had to go to Hawley, which is like in between, it's like, I don't know, it's near Crawley. But um, <laughs> we went there and just spent, we lived there for a month in this studio. Oh, wow. Sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags and recorded a 17 track album which is lasted serious yeah it lasted 71 minutes this album and wow. um 
we just spent every day recording, and it was one of the most fun months ever. I loved it, and I realised at that point that what I loved with music was recording and nothing else. Like, I really loved yeah. recording songs, and after we'd done that, I started doing stand-up because I was like, I don't really want to get a band together and do gigs anymore. It's 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 a fascinating thing because it's a completely it's weird to people who are in music, but that's a completely viable outlook. Um, yeah. I'm sure on on one of the versions of your sh- show we've done, a Jack and my Brown came up yes. who's on my label and. He's one that confuses people because he's he's similar in that way. He had some songs. I had to twist his arm to even record them. Yeah, isn't into to playing live. He played two live gigs. Didn't see the appeal. Yeah. And I have people all the time because that album I went down really well. And I have people all the time ask like, like, when's the next album out? Is there going to be a tour? It's like, no, I don't think he's got any plans to make any more music. That yeah. was his goal. Yeah. And it was it was similar with the label ex- exactly as you as you were saying. People, I remember a year later asked like how'd that record go yeah and it may it may be that i'm a bad label manager but i was like i haven't really paid attention to sales because <laughs> yeah, our yeah. goal was to make the album or what we wanted it to be yeah um to have have the artwork how we wanted it to be mm. and all of that happened so kind of a month or so before it was released we'd already achieved our goals because yeah. we'd made it and we had it in our hands we're like this is exactly what we wanted it to be, so it yeah. didn't really yeah, matter well, that I much. Think, what especially was to now, come yeah, you can you can record something and you, you can just put it online, yeah, and you can do that, and then you go well. If, if, if it's not your main thing, if your main thing isn't that you're a musician and that's your career, yeah, you go well. I've, I've made this thing. I'll put it online, and people will find it if they like it, and if they yeah. don't, they won't. And it's quite a nice, especially when you know your job is something creative where you are trying to move things forward and and uh crew a fan base and stuff it's quite nice to have something that you go that's another creative thing i do but just purely for fun and whoever likes it likes it It doesn't matter exactly that and i I have people all the time ask me if i'll look at their at their poetry or listen to their music and tell and tell them if it's good yeah and always say no because number one i'm terrible at creative criticism and that i never i never grew up a reading poetry i've never been taught how to do any of it so i've always just written and my advice to them is always look if you're excited to share it it's probably achieved like what you needed it to achieve if you're not then maybe it's not it's not done or it's it's not it's not quite there and again that's tough because it might not be applicable to everyone but it's like that's all i can tell you because the fact is I could read this and hate it. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's shit. It could be the best piece of poetry ever. I just yeah. might not like it. Yeah. And also, I guess rejection and failure is all part of it anyway. So if, yeah. if you've made something and you want to put it out there and you just have that desire to put it out there, you should just do it. And then there's a chance that everyone will go, this is absolutely awful. Yeah. Rebecca, there's no way that Rebecca Black could know that Friday was an awful song. Yeah. Unless she released it, and then everyone went, "This is an absolute this joke," and it's just like, "Oh, okay, okay, I, I probably won't continue with this." Uh, and and then you know, and then it's part of or it's one of the most played songs on YouTube, though. So, yeah, you know, f- fair play. There's Not some a total just, failure. There's, there's, there's some genius behind it. All. Yeah. It's, it's interesting all of this that you're saying it because I had um, I had Tom Rosenthal on last week, yeah, and we recorded it on the same day, yeah, yeah. and you used to. You lived together the first year you both did The Fringe, right? Yeah, Or yeah. was it the first year up there, there properly? The first year we did solo shows. Yeah. So, like, we'd, we'd both been before doing, like, little 20-minute spots here and there. Yeah. And this is the first time we both had our debut hours. The, the, one of the things 
he was saying to me after after we'd recorded it was something he found really inspiring about you was it felt like you were kind of comfortable to walk away from comedy or whatever else if you needed to it it, it didn't feel like Mm. there's it's such a thing in comedy and in music as well it's like i need i need to get on this show and i need to do this i need to do that and he said it was so calming that you it seemed that you were like i'll do this and if it's good it's good Mm. if it's not it's not and he was saying you'd worked with i can't remember he said children in the past and stuff like that and done done stuff outside of comedy that was other jobs that are fulfilling that you can go to if you choose to yeah 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 not again and again that's fulfilling rather than i've got a load of money in the bank it it doesn't matter it's not that it's a case of i've got other things i could do so but i think that can be a a great thing because it puts it takes a bit of the pressure off and allows you to just go no Mm. i don't have to do and the fringe is a perfect example of it Mm. when often people will be doing four or five gigs a day because they're so nervous that they're going to miss someone and they need to pull everyone in. Yeah. Sometimes that's not the best way to do it. Sometimes that's that's going to diminish the important gig that's your headline show because you're going to mm. be burnt out quicker or, or, yeah. or whatever else. Well, I think we've, I've just r- rambled in, for about ten minutes under the guise of it being a question uh, uh, and then just looked over at you to uh, hand it uh, back. Uh, so so well, go ahead. <laughs> when, I, when I was in bands, I was definitely the kind of person who was like, this has to work, this has to... Uh, I want to make this work forever. I, w- I want to be in a band that is remembered for the rest of time. Yeah. And um, this is how many albums we're going to do. Yeah. This, this is the festivals we're going to headline. And everything's planned out. My whole life's planned out. And these are the things I want to achieve. Yeah. And then when that stopped and I kind of decided I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And I started stand-up and it wasn't like... I just didn't have a plan it was just like, oh, I was going to do this for a while. And um, originally it was like, oh, I'll do stand-up until I think of a better idea yeah, of what yeah. to do in my life. And then I grew to really love it and enjoy it. But because the way that I started out was with like, oh, we'll see what happens, it did mean that my attitude towards stand-up was really different to how I was about music. Yeah. And that I feel like um, I'm doing what I want with it even more because I'm like well if you don't like it then I don't you know I don't have to yeah. <laughs> keep doing it or if I there's no point especially with stand-up there's no point living this lifestyle if you don't enjoy it yeah. the, the amount of other things that it stops you from doing in your life yeah um so like if it's, you don't it's not like, a breeze it's, yeah it's not a breeze and the music industry like anything in the entertainment industry it's, it's similar it's put on a pedestal mm. it's this amazing thing but it's also a very acquired taste of a lifestyle yeah. and as a way to live as you said you have to give up a lot of things so if you're doing it thinking it's a quick a quick fix or a quick success it's like yeah it probably isn't the one yeah and like there's no point giving all your evenings are gone like when i started doing stand-up i had to just write off my evenings yeah. i wouldn't see my friends as much Done. all that i'm gonna be on, on my own a lot yeah and uh so unless you really enjoy your actual stand-up yeah there is no, there's no point. It's really, so it's really interesting because what you've said there again, I think, um, is going to be something that's that's allowed you to grow into the comedian that you are and have the comfort to do 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 what you do. And it's the thing that you came into it going, ah, well, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So you mm. didn't come into it thinking I need to try and get success in this way. You just did your thing. 
that then was successful, which then gives you the confidence, I think, to continue to just do things your way, to be be you, to be your kind of comedian, to do your kind of, of comedy or whatever else. It gives you that confidence because it it, it worked the first time. Yeah. It's got you to where you are now, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you don't then have yeah. that thing of, right, at this point, I need to become a Michael a McIntyre type yeah. comedian or a Jimmy Carr type. Yeah. He's gag, 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 gag. Yeah. You know I mean? It, you, you don't have to have that because you've, yeah, you've you got to where to you are off the back of it. Yeah. a bit more. So you, you, go, you do learn to trust your gut more and... Um, but also, you know, I had to almost with stand up. I had to learn to compromise more as well with my acts. Like when I was in that final band, yeah. it was just uncompromising. We're doing exactly what we want, and everyone else is wrong. Yeah. So whatever anyone said to us, we we're like, "No, you're wrong. We're doing this, and this is what we." Yeah. You know, and like one of the only people who ever wrote back to us was Zane Lowe, and he was like, uh, I, "I like the songs, but I think you need to like focus on the melodies a little bit more because there's melodies in there and you're not really pulling them out." We're like, "Shut up, Zane Lowe!" Let's carry on going. And now, crazy, that's wicked though that there's, oh, there's he, someone he, like Zane he's, responding he's an and giving guy. a yeah. articulate. Yeah. Here's what I think isn't working. Here's what I think yeah. is working. That's he amazing. Really loves his job and he really yeah. loves music. But um, I um, yeah, with, with with that now, I'll listen to those songs now and go, "Yep, I agree." Completely Absolutely right. need to pull the yeah. melodies out more. Uh, but at the time, it's like, no, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to ever put ourselves in the shoes of the audience. Yeah. So it was never doing that. And with stand-up... And that's a silly move, You it? kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, so like stand-up, you're on stage and you're like, well, they're not laughing, so there's got to be something going on here. Yeah. And, like, and so you have to go, right, if I was in the audience listening to me doing that, how would I feel and what... And why is this not coming? So it's less like... You know, it's like a compromising in a way that you're not going, well, I'm going to start talking about this stuff because I think people want to hear about it yeah. but you, you are going the way I talk about it that's the, that's what I've got to learn I've got to yeah. learn how to communicate and articulate the ideas in my head so that the, the image in my brain that's making me laugh yeah. is in theirs as well I can right. project that same thing into them so that they're not there because otherwise you just use the wrong word or the, and it's just the same in poetry and, and lyrics you use one wrong word and it's a different image in their head than it is yeah. in yours and it can be you know not funny or worse it can be like you know disturbing or upsetting yeah. you know because you just yeah. use the wrong thing yeah. and they don't know you know to them that doesn't mean the same and and uh and also it's the way you perform it and you know the persona that you've got surrounding the whole thing as well so yeah. all the elements and learning how to do all that so that you can then be a bit more uncompromising yeah. so learning that whole language of uh of stand-up and just communicating in general and and then when you learn that kind of stuff, you kind of sympathise a lot more with people when they yeah. get in trouble. Yeah, like of especially online and stuff like that. You go, oh, they, they use the wrong word. You can just understand how they've made that yeah. slipped up there. They've, yeah. they've made an error. Um, just everything you said there makes me think that the Edinburgh Fringe has probably been quite important yeah. for you then as a as a place of learning because it is somewhere yeah. where you just you're thrust into. It. What was your first experience of the Fringe? I, um, when did you go up there first? And- I, it was 2008. I've been doing stand-up for uh, about six months. Yeah. Well, no, a bit longer. I've been doing stand-up since January. It's Fringes in August. And I didn't know that it was such a big deal, the Edinburgh Fringe. I think I'd heard yeah. of it, but I didn't know it was such a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, I hadn't really made many friends on the open mic circuit yet because yeah. I lived in Kettering and everyone else lived in London. So yeah, I knew... Uh, Josh uh, Widdicombe and Nick Helm were my friends. Yeah, they're both but like, great as well. Yeah, they're amazing. But like, we're all open spots at that point, and I'd like 
started to forge friendships with them but didn't know them well enough yeah. and they were all going to Edinburgh and um, I suddenly realised oh they're all doing it they've all got accommodation they're all going for the month I didn't know this was a big deal I didn't know it was a thing and I was like I guess I'm not going then and um, then someone who I used to work with in a kitchen just said oh you, you do comedy don't you start doing comedy um, there's these coupons that were in the express today uh, just for you know coach tickets to the Edinburgh Festival um, do you want oh, wow. do you want these and so I was like okay fine I'll do it so I booked two weeks off work at the last minute I couldn't get any accommodation so I, I borrowed a tent off a friend <laughs> and decided to camp in this field that was about it's a 20 oh, minute wow. bus journey from the from the festival that's amazing and I took the coach there and that took 12 hours on the coach to get to Edinburgh from uh, Northampton because um, so we had to go back into London and then out it was pretty ridiculous and um Got there, set up my tent, and the field that I was camping in, it's the Edinburgh Caravan Club site, I still remember it, and for some reason all the caravans were on high ground and all the tents were in a bowl-shaped field, in a, in a, a dish. That doesn't, that doesn't lend itself yeah. well to how the fringe can be with, yeah. with heavy rain. With and heavy rain from day one. So brilliant. on the first night... My tent got flooded and all my belongings got flooded immediately. So that was like <laughs> straight away. I didn't have any gigs booked either. Everyone else had shows that were booked in and they were yeah. all doing like, you know, they'd be like, all the open micers, they'd get like them and two of their mates or three of their mates and they'd book a, a room on the free fringe where people don't have to pay to see you and you just do, you, you, you work on your 15 yeah. minutes or your 20 minutes all month yeah. and you do it like that. I didn't have any, I didn't have that. I didn't have any, any gigs in the diary. So the first day was just me going around and um, finding the open mic gigs that had a different lineup every day. Right. And going up to them and going, do you have any spaces that I can fill? Yeah. So the first day, I I think I did one gig and that was because it was a free free fringe gig where they didn't have a compare. And and Sean Walsh was one of the acts on the bill. Right. And he had done a gig with me just before Edinburgh that I'd gone well at. So he was like, well, just MC, none of us want to MC this. You can MC it every day. So I managed to very luckily uh, get that. And Sean doesn't remember. <laughs> I spoke to him about this recently. He doesn't remember that I MC'd this gig. Who are you? With him in Edinburgh. <laughs> like, he was just like, you didn't do that. It's like, I did that every day. Like, to, for two weeks. That's amazing. I, I MC'd it every day. I <laughs> saw you no every single day. He doesn't remember it. I love it. So I got that and I, and I started doing gigs. And by the end of... By the end of the first week, I was doing six gigs a day and going around and just that's doing impressive. ten minutes everywhere. And um, I mean, that's an amazing thing. I mean, I, I will let you continue, but that's an amazing yeah. thing to highlight on on the work ethic and ethic yeah. and drive front of you've gone up there with with no gigs booked. You're living in a field, yeah, and pretty quickly you're doing six gigs a day. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're putting I, that grind and effort in. But that thing of like no distractions in a way as well. Because like as I say, I didn't really have many mates yeah. in the coming. So so I think Nick was doing two sh- two or three shows a day. Yeah. Um, because he had like, but they were like required a lot of work because he, yeah. he was doing a play that you know he had to organise a cast and yeah. loads of props. So he's doing two stand up shows a day. Josh was doing the same. Uh, and they all like hung out with other groups of people and I didn't have any gigs so I was yeah. just like I'm just gonna so because I didn't have any distractions I didn't have like mates going we're all going down to the pub it, at lunchtime it, do you want to come with us I was just like I'm just it can be a great headspace right the, yeah. the one the, the one year I did the fringe I knew a few people but I, I'm not because the comedy scene is so is so linked I'm not part of that so I yeah. knew I think 
Brett Goldstein, and one or two others. Yeah. And it was amazing for me because I was living on my own um, and I got so much writing done and yeah. so much productivity because I'm getting to go and see um, Brett and, yeah. and Tom Rosenthal and yeah. just, just so many great people and then just be inspired. I'm doing my a one show every night and yeah. it was weird because people always ask me to jump on these these multiple lineups. I'm yeah. like, I can't <laughs> do that because yeah. it's spoken word. It's a different yeah, thing. Yeah. It's particularly I got asked to do the late and late live, live. Yeah, yeah. which I, I would have been the worst at. And I went to it a few times. I was like, I'm not get, I'm never getting up there because yeah. it's great, but it's a tough gig even if you're a comedian because it's a lot of drunk people, often yeah. a lot of comics um, who've had a tough week or yeah. whatever else. And I was like, you want me to get up? Yeah. And it, again, it's weird because in my set, and my set, I went down well with the comedians because it was kind of billed as a poetry set, but in between yeah. I had written gags and yeah, I had yeah. written comedy sections. But it's like, but that's all so specific. <laughs> that's yeah. not stuff that can translate. That's to get from one poem to right. the other. So that's not going to work on a... I did it and, once late in life. Yeah. And how was it? I All I said was the names of TV presenters because all that happened from the moment I walked on stage is they shouted out names of TV presenters. So you, you, the whole U-Tree story had kind of... Right. was new, yeah. fairly new. And I walked on and someone shouted out Andy Crane because they thought I looked like Andy Crane. Right, Fair okay. enough. And I, and I just went, Andy Crane, yeah. So then someone just shouted out Pat Sharp. I went, Pat Sharp? And then they realised <laughs> this is a game. So they started going, Andy Peters, Andy Peters. And then more and more, and then they started doing people who were on the U-Tree list. So I started doing those people. And then it was, it was almost, if I wasn't so tired... I think I would have thought this is quite fascinating, this actually. Is, is an and there's some people who are in the audience. Um, Amanda Redman, who um, produced my radio show when it was the, yep. the Shuffle Show, and you met her. Yeah, uh, she she's was in currently the, in doing the, Jeff Lloyd's show yeah. on Absolute, which is Absolute fantastic. Radio, yeah. And um, she, that's the first time she saw me, and she loved it because she just thought it was fascinating that it was me going on, and I was doing nothing, but the mood in the ring was changed by the audience just like veering it from a bunch of nice celebrities into, oh, it's a bit dark now, yeah. and then out to some really, and there's a surreal section where it was just really weird celebs that they were throwing out of nowhere. And all I did was just repeat each celebrity and then looked at my watch and went, that's 15 minutes. And then said, see you later. Easy gig, right? And that was there it. There was a guy out there the year I was up there, and I never got to catch it, but I genuinely heard from people. It was absolutely amazing. And he was just, it was something like John lists everything. Yeah. And he was on for half hour every day, and he was just oh yes, a, a, it was a, a listing everything. Was and that it was, Alistair Tremblay Birchall? Maybe is that him? Yeah, Birchall. Yeah, and, and it was he, he never a, a, a listed the same thing. Yeah, and from what I heard, it's not like he went into detail or or riffed off them. Yeah, he just list stuff. Yeah, and again, I can completely see how that could become hilarious, just depending yeah. on what comes up next. The yeah. see, again, as you said, going from dark to light. Seeing yeah. those natural progressions. Alexis Dubas uh, is a comedian and he also does a character called Marcel Leconte. Uh, She's fantastic. Character. Very funny. I remember when I was up there, he was doing the whole fringe with no venue. Right, yeah. You could just book him. Right, come, oh, yeah. Because his yes, character was. was very much, I'm above all this. Yeah. It's all nonsense. It's like, you can arrange for him to come and yeah. perform on this corner or in your flat or whatever else. It's yeah, like, so many good ideas, yeah. Alexis. And uh, yeah, and it's one great. year on the free fringe, you just did a show where the show was him in a gorilla outfit, sat in a rocking chair, and that was it. Brilliant. So the audience show up, and the show was called 
uh, a young man dressed as an old man, dressed as a gorilla, sits in a rocking chair for an hour, and and so the audience make their show, make the show whatever they yeah. want. So after about ten minutes of realizing he's not doing anything, they get up and they see if they can sit in his lap, and they can, or they see if they can like rock him on the rocking chair. Someone does a little dance on stage where their mates clap. Does that for an hour, and then at the end of the hour, gets up and walks off, and that's it. And the whole show Amazing. is just whatever the audience do. It's kind of a comedy version of John Cage or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, I love it. But, um, it, it, but it allows the, it to be itself. But my my first Edinburgh. So you did. You, you, the reason why, why that was is, so is you were doing six shows a six shows a day, day. But like the reason why it's so important as well was that I absolutely had not found my voice at, at all at mm. that point. I've been doing it for six months, and there were other comics who just they had something early on that enables them to find a voice quickly so using Helm and Whittacombe as examples Helm had done uh, he'd written plays and performed as an, you know in his own plays for years so he had a lot of experience performing playing different characters on stage so his performance was just great he had, yeah. he's really good at performing uh, Josh had uh, been writing doing a lot of journalism for years so his writing was really good and really tight writing yeah. I'd just been in a band so, like, I didn't really have anything that I was good at. I could improvise. And there was a little period there where there were so many people that were coming through that yeah. were new that were all, all, all like that, Carl Donnelly and, and, yeah. and Ramesh and a few others in that, yeah. all seemed at that time that were just appearing, who, as you said, all all just seemed to have it figured out as, uh, yeah. as, as characters. And again, yeah. their actual sets would all be down to individual taste or whatever else, but... They yeah. seem to have their things. So that must got, have been an interesting thing to going. see. Yeah, yeah, and you go, oh, I can see. Like it was really like Helm watching him progress over the, you know, and him just like being the big character that he is in the open mic circuit, where often you get very apathetic audiences. Meant that he developed this persona of being like, you know, shouting, "Get on board!" and like, "I'm not going to pull your good time out of my ass," yeah. and stuff like that, because. That was funny in that situation, which is why for a long time there's loads of open mic comics just copied him because yeah. the at the uh, environment of the open mic circuit makes you want to do that, makes you want to yeah. shout at the audience. And he was the first one who just, going, I'm just going to do it. And he was great because, again, it was also at a time where the panel sh- shows were blowing up. So so many comedians who hadn't got that big were getting on TV. Yeah. And he was one that I got to watch develop more on TV because right, yeah. I remember the first time he was on 8 out of 10 Cats. Yeah. He was generally just shouting, and that was it. Yeah. Was it was hilarious, but yeah, that was yeah. mainly his thing. And as it's gone on, he'll be on there just being hilarious, and there'll yeah. still be that intensity, and there'll be yeah. almost the implication of everything he's done before. Yeah. He won't have to shout once because yeah. you'll know that it's bubbling there, yeah, and, yeah. and that's kind of great to watch things like that. Uh, yeah, and characters develop in such a way, but. Yeah. but, but but you obviously had to, to find your Well, I, I just didn't know what I was or... doing. I, I could improvise, weirdly, because I, I think I'd had enough bad gigs with the band that I'd had... Often, like, if, if the guitarist had loads of pedals and stuff and different tunings, so while he was doing all that, I had to just speak in between songs and stuff. Um, so, like, I could improvise my way out of a I bad situation. I thought of these, band, of these gigs being <laughs> instrumental with a little dash of improvised stand-up yeah. in, in the middle. But just me dealing with hecklers Hello a lot guys. of the time. Uh... Me, me getting shouted at, you guys are shit, and then me having to come back at it or whatever. So I could, do, I could improvise. I couldn't really do anything else. So, like... Um, for a long time, I was like, oh, "Why?" And when you're an open mic, Micah, suddenly, like, you know, you you, can't, you don't understand anything. So you have a bad gig, and you're like, you go home and be like, "Why didn't they laugh?" But you have a yeah. good gig, 
and you actually don't think to ask this, but you don't know why they laugh. You should think, why did they laugh? Why did yeah, they? But you just come away going, because I'm great. Yeah. Because I'm really funny, obviously. It. But like, you also don't know, there's no rhyme or reason to evil. You don't know. And so, um, do you I record know. much of your stuff? Cause I do now, yeah. There's, um, there's a great, thing on netflix i thought it was just a new hannibal oh yes, yes show, it's but it's him at the fringe yeah and it's fantastic because he almost has a breakdown and he hates yeah. it a yeah. lot of time and i remember i'm sure it's the year i was there because i remember seeing him do a gig yeah yeah, yeah that, i think yeah that would have been the one i was there i remember seeing him do a gig and feeling i'd listened to a lot of his cds and kind of yeah. he did an open mic spot i think it was at, at, at richard herring's or, or, or yeah. one of richard herring's shows no, or no, in the same venue that Richard Herring was was doing his Leicester Square thing. So maybe not the show, but he seemed like he weren't enjoying it. He right. seemed genuinely, yeah, yeah, uh, this is shit. And you watch that development, but in that he talks about how he wishes he had recorded his shows from earlier on because right, he yeah. realizes how he'll he'll notice the nuances of what works. Like as, yeah. as you were saying, he'll listen to them laugh and go, right, actually, it's because because that sentence yeah. had no fat. I didn't um and yeah. It was very much bang, 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 it got to the point quicker than the sentence before, which was maybe a funnier concept, but I was so all over the place to get there, it didn't have that same impact. So, Well, that kind of stuff, now I can do that. Back then, it it was, I had even further to go, because it was was literally, I don't know why I'm funny. (laughs) So, like, I don't know what it is about me. Because what you have to do, especially in, I mean, I guess in any kind of form of, Anything creative, you've got to find your own voice. But um, with comedy, you really can't get away with ripping off anyone. Yeah. Um, no, no, I don't mean just like ripping off material, but I mean also like their act. If you start to act like someone on stage, people just go, you're just doing that. Like yeah. that's what you know. People can slag off mainstream comics to their heart's content, but no one performs like Michael McIntyre does. Yeah. Like he, his, he has to come up with his own original style of performance and, that and, suits him. And the problem is it's also so natural to mimic or find influences coming in of stuff that that you enjoy. Yeah. And even just from going to see a stand-up show, that next, even on the journey home, yeah. if you're not even talking about it, some of your timing and yeah. the d- 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 delivery on just joking with your mates will be often be reflective of the style that was on stage. So that yeah. must be a thing you have to be yes. really conscious of and aware oh. of because it's like, yeah. I'm not, so as you said, not intent, not even intentionally ripping yeah. off anyone's material or anything like that, but yeah. just not be- be- becoming someone of, else. Yeah, becoming someone else, but also like, you know, definitely adopting their sense of humour sometimes. I was, you know, that was the thing about, you know, my first six months of stand-up was that everything was uh, just different things I found funny. And I liked loads of different stand-ups. Yeah. So in, within one set, there'd be, you know, a really lovely bit that is like inspired by Josie Long or someone that was, you know, it's quite a whimsical story. Yeah. And then the next routine is kind of shock comedy because I, I, I liked, um, you know, Ricky Gervais or someone who, yeah. would, who, would, who would chuck stuff like that in. And I'm not as big a fan of his stand-up now, but like at that point, everyone on the open mic circuit was watching him and, yeah. and, and you were kind of, you just saw it everywhere. We we're all suddenly doing a joke about something that, something really and I had offensive. to have a, a moment where I was like, hold on, do I actually, would I say that ever in real life? Yeah. This is about me and who I am on stage. This is yeah. a, it's supposed to be an interpretation of me and uh, not, you know, other people I find funny. And if it doesn't suit that. me to talk about that. It's really interesting because two of your 
your your your bigger or I'd imagine impactful support slots early on from what I know is was was Josie Long as yeah. you mentioned and and Milton uh, Jones yeah um which is really interesting because style wise again they're almost although they're both fit, you could say both a, a whimsical in a way style wise they're so different because yes. Josie is so off on tangents long rambling stories yeah, and yeah. Milton is so gag gag yeah, yeah. gag so such punch 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 yeah so that must have in a way been a good thing because you can't it, it it would have been good I'd imagine to stop you being influenced too much in one direction because because yeah. you're 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 being you're doing tours or whatever with to such mm. on the same area of the circuit but such different nuances and styles yeah and it was one after the other so Josie was uh, the autumn of 2010, and then starting in January was Milton's tour. So Amazing. I did Josie's tour until December, and then had like a month for Christmas, and then straight on tour with Milton for a Fantastic. year. And what was good about that was that that was my first. That was my first like uh, bunch of gigs as a professional comic. I was on the open mic circuit, and then Josie rang me up and said, "Do you want to support me on tour?" I couldn't believe it. Really excited, and got to quit my job because I had to go. Uh, off with her on tour. Amazing. So, what job um, were you in at the time? I was a, a, a classroom assistant at a school for autistic children. Amazing. So, so it wasn't a, I'm going to f- a flip a desk and spit in the, in yeah, the boss's it was, face type job, but still it was an exciting... Yeah, yeah. I, I was happy to... I'm like, joining the circus, guys. This. Yeah, yeah. It was really... I, I remember one of the guys... So I, everyone there at that school was really supportive and really yeah. lovely. Uh, and one guy, he kind of said to me, he was kind of a bit disappointed in me, and, it, and it's it's um, stuck with me still. And I still feel guilty now sometimes when I'm, if ever I'm not enjoying stand up or it's going badly, I think I should have stayed at that school because yeah. that guy at the end he kind of went to me, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I was going to go and do stand up." He's like, "We need male. We, these kids need men working. There's not enough men working yeah. with autistic children. Like they need male role models wow, and people yeah. around." What? Why aren't you doing that? You're good at this. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to do this. I'm going to go on tour. We're one of my favourite comics. And he was like, well, how big is the tour? Are you going to play the Apollo? I went, well, no, we're not playing the Apollo. And he went, well, I'll see you in about six months. And, uh, it's harsh, man. And That's like, quite cutthroat. Yeah, it's- it was quite... I mean, he, at the time, I just thought... To put it in context, when I started that job, I was um, a temp. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know I was going to be a temp. I thought this agency had got me a job. Right. And so on day one, when I was told, we'll let you know tomorrow if we need you, I shat myself because I'd, oh, I'd, shit, I'd just moved to, to London. So I'd, yeah. I moved to London. I only had a grand, um, which would cover, you know, first month's rent and food. And then yeah. I'd have little... So I was like, shit, I need this job. And he was the guy, he was a classroom assistant, who took me under his wing the first day yeah. and told them, he's good, you should bring him back. And so he kind Thank of you. got me the job yeah, and yeah, eventually yeah. it became a permanent job. So I think that's why at the end it was a bit like, man, I really kind of... Yeah. And he didn't say to me, I, really, I, I made sure you got into this. You but like, thing, yeah. I think it was a bit like, this is, you know... And so I, and I couldn't kind of completely... I understand why he said that in the moment, you know? It's, it's, it's an interesting thing and it's something... I can't remember if I've discussed it in the podcast a lot or in, in real life a lot recently, but the term selfish, it's seen yeah. as a dirty word and a horrible thing. Yeah. I think there's a level of selfishness that we all need to survive or to achieve our goals or whatever else. And that was a thing there. Maybe what you chose there was selfish, but mm. it was completely 
the right choice because it's something you needed to try or needed to to have a yeah. go at because it's what you wanted. Otherwise, you there would have been re- resentment and everything else. And the only reason I moved to London was to do stand up. Like yeah. I, I'd, I've been doing gigs while living in Kettering and just commuting all the time, and it cost me twenty five quid on the train every yeah. time. I was staying around people's houses and then kicking around for a whole day with nothing to do in London. So I was like, I've got to move. So I'm doing five gigs a week in London now. So yeah. I've got to move there. Yeah. And in order to move there, I had to have a job there. Yeah. So I had to start working. So the only reason I was working at that school was for, was to do and, stand-up. And you know what? I absolutely adore that it was J- J- Josie that was the catalyst there. Because yeah. it shows the intention and ambition there. Because Josie isn't this massive, make millions, huge... Yeah she's a career comedian yeah. in that she, it's her career yeah. but she's never had that big TV show or anything else and she will have, have so much stuff but she has always been one of the best there mm. is yeah yeah since she like broke on the scene at 16 and things like that yeah. so it's great that it was someone that you could that you artistically couldn't bear to say no to rather yeah. than someone yeah yeah financially or whatever else it said yeah, that's yeah. doing Apollos yeah, yeah, that you're yeah. going to be like well I can't say no to that it's like no this this woman's amazing and yeah it was well, she's just, one of the reasons I started stand-up I went to see it, her in Northampton and was yeah. like great you can talk about whatever you like yeah it's it's similar with me and, and Dan earlier on when we were t- talking to labels in America mm. um, and we were talking to, to Rick Rubin at, at one point and some some huge some huge deals and, and Sage Francis yeah. showed an interest who's yeah, yeah. one of the people I'd started doing this because of and Strange Famous is a small independent uh, label there's Sage and Storm and a handful of other people but it wasn't there wasn't a question about it it was like yeah. right we're, we're going with Sage and everything yeah. I've done since then has been on, on Strange Famous regardless of how big or small it is and it was ex- ex- exactly the same thing it's like right we're not just going to go oh we're going to hold out for the most money the biggest offer it's like this is someone I'm excited to be associated with. Yeah. And to get to support someone like Josie, regardless of the size of the venues or yeah. the pay. I'd imagine the pay wasn't a life-changing. I know, no, the pay wasn't going to... Particularly I mean, as a support slot. That was the thing as well, is that quitting the job, but, like, I wasn't going to financially make enough money that would make me yeah, a living. Yeah. Like, I had to move all my stuff back to my parents' house in Kettering while I went on this tour. Um, and... Uh, the only reason was that I quit the job is because I couldn't do it because I was away. Um, But doing her tour and then Milton's in that order was perfect because with her, so, uh, so, so with her audience, they love innovation and they love people because they're going to see her. So they they love someone trying to do something new with comedy and, uh, and so, so when I, it's not necessarily about a polished set. It's about, the the experience yeah so with those I was like right I've, you know I've got to I can't just do stuff that they can second guess so yeah. I've got to do I'll talk about these subjects they won't you know they won't think that they were seeing in that coming they probably haven't heard that before and I'll do it in this way or whatever so it was all it was really good for just making me try and uh, talk about unusual things or yeah. whatever and then is then Milton's tour, who obviously they really like jokes and, and crafted gags like that. So when I was there on tour with Milton, I had to take the same material I just done with Josie's one and tighten it all up and make it all have like put a joke in there. So it's the same routine. It's great in that order, but it's then, got isn't a joke. It? In it. Just, so it's perfect to have that tour yeah. of Josie's. Not it sounds disrespectful. 
well to say to have it as a warm up but in a way it is that thing of 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 a tour where you're allowed to have the material be quite loose mm. and quite baggy and figure out how it works and where it sits to get to the Milton one where it's yeah this tight just, yeah, same routine, same subjects, but just right. That, that that's got to have a joke there, and that's got to have a joke there, and yeah. do it like this. And um, those two tours were definitely instrumental in finding my voice. The other gig that was instrumental in finding my voice was in that first Edinburgh. Yeah, when I uh, there was a gig that um, my friend Richard Rycroft ran, who was a, a stand-up, and he said it's at noon in Leaf, which is a bit far out of yeah. Edinburgh. Uh, and uh, I turned up, and no one showed up. And it was just Richard and another comic called Cal who's quit now. And uh, that was because it's the bill, basically, yeah. the, li- the lineup for the, for the gig. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's cancelled. And, and Cal went, I've got a, a gig later. I've got to do a competition and I've got to have my five minutes for this competition. So it'd be really good if I could just perform it to you guys. I was like, yeah, okay, it's fine. And he's like, can you guys do five minutes as well so that I don't feel stupid? I was like, oh, sh- I, do- I absolutely do not want to do five minutes to you two yeah. at noon in Leaf. And um, but because he had asked me to, I did, and I thought, well, I'll just do. There's a story that I had that I'd never done on stage before, yeah. and I'd never done it because I thought people won't get it. It's too specific to me. Yeah. People won't understand it because I've been trying to do for six months what I thought other people thought was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'll just tell this story. I just do it because who cares? And they both really went for it and said, you should do that. Have you done that before? You should do that all the time. Yeah. And then so I started doing it every day six times a day because it in yeah that festival and it became my first bit that never failed brilliant and i had and then i had to then go right why is this never failing and everything else is failing all the time yeah but what is it about and it, it was a story about me bearing a grudge against someone for a long time and being really petty so it was it was a longer bit so it's my longest bit so i was like so one of my things was like okay you're good at doing long bits maybe it's long bits and the stories shows you for a while i thought because the story showed me in a negative light that was the key. So for a while, I started right, writing loads of routines that yeah. were like really negative, like almost confessional, and that didn't work. Yeah. But I went. But I thought that was, I was like, okay, that's not it. And I was like, it's about me being petty. It's a really small me picking up on small things. So I started doing that, and that worked. So me picking up on small details and making a massive deal out of them yeah. worked. Um, me doing stories worked, and uh, and yeah, I, I just kind of like started to figure out. That yeah, that was part of it. It was yeah. that was a that was that was part of getting, getting it somewhere. And it, it was quite. It had a bit of imagination in it as well. Isn't yeah. it? Uh, so it's fascinating to gig. get to break it all down. And I think again, I, I bang on about the wonder of the fringe on here a lot. Um, and I generally get a point to mention that you can buy my uh, f- f- five star sold out run at the Edinburgh <laughs> Fringe for just five pounds at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. It's uh, it's a wonderful download there or the DVD. Um, but it, it's it's an amazing place for honing things. And yeah. it was interesting because, as I said, I had Tom on last week and I saw his show early on at the Fringe, like my first night there, in fact. Yeah. And it felt finished. Yeah. And there's a variation. People like Tom, people like Brett Goldstein, it feels like yeah. they turn up and it's one long story and it's polished and it's, it's yeah. got all its marks and all its beats in there. But for other people, it's more... Uh, let's try this out, let's change that, let's move this around, yeah. more of a work in progress, which 
yeah. for those people you can't get a better scenario because you're doing yeah. it over and over and over and over again yeah it's, it's great it's great for that and like definitely for the first few years of going on when i wasn't doing solo shows that's what it was every yeah. year especially that first year that first year it was just i came out of it and i i had improved so much yeah. and then i think a year later <laughs> was when i came out of Edinburgh and went Oh, I want to do this as my job now. Yeah, like it took a year and a half. Yeah, but then uh, after that second Edinburgh, I was like, yeah, I feel like this is what I want to do. Yeah, we. I mean, we we're over, over uh, well over the hour mark, so I'll start to to wrap things up. But are you there? I assume you're there this year. I am. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? Uh, Not so, that I need your venue and time and everything else. Sure, but what's sure. the show? What are you doing uh, this year? So the show uh, show this year is uh, called Reset, and it's about um, how we all want a fresh start in life, yeah, and we'd all like to start again. And um, the it's a lot of like actually, I mean, I, I didn't really think about it. I mean, <laughs> it's weird, really. I, that thing about that guy saying that to me when I left the school, yeah, I, think I just hadn't thought of that. But that's quite relevant to the show, almost. Yeah. And it, it's a uh, you know me thinking maybe I should have done something less selfish. Yeah. Maybe there are other things I could have done that I should probably be. Am I a good person? Should be a better person, but um, but my shows are never kind of like so. It's not me talking like I am now yeah. about things. You know, my on stage persona is uh, something of a high status idiot. So like, yeah. um, and also it's never. But it's brilliant. I loved you. I, I loved you on Sunday brunch. No, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Sorry to, to take you off track there, oh, and I messaged no. you instantly because of your your wonderfully relaxed arms. <laughs> As soon as it, it came yeah. out to you, there's two of them. There's there's Tim Lovejoy and I can't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. He's great on one couch, and you're just arms up, <laughs> relax. Hi guys, and it yeah. was just great because as as you said there, it was. I was like, I love this because that's that's you were almost in your stage persona. Yeah. when being interviewed, if you know what I mean, it yeah, was very it was, much. I had one foot in it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, I, I it was great. It. That kind of yeah, just the openness and yep, just. <laughs> Especially with that interview, because he was asked, Lovejoy was uh, asked me questions that if I gave serious answers to, it was it's going to, not for, yeah, it wouldn't fit on Sunday brunch. Yeah. He asked me, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. It was perfect, though, because it, it it didn't come across as I'm too good to be here kind of thing. No, no, it's uh, great. I, I mean, love being on it. Because shows like that are really interesting. And you see it with a lot of that kind of show where there's bands or whoever who'll be on who feel they're a bit too cool for this. It's like, well, don't go on then. Yeah. But the perfect thing there, as you said, was it is the kind of show where they have to ask kind of yeah. quite obvious questions and things yeah. like that because you're going to be new to most of their audience. So yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's not a rude way. It's just, well, we need yeah. to ask these things. And it was just perfect because your answers were all straight away as if you're easily the biggest comedian <laughs> yeah. on the circuit <laughs> massive you've made it you don't yeah. really need to be here yeah. but you're being here out of the goodness of to give their ratings a bit of a bump yeah and yeah, it, yeah it's, it's been, great yeah it was, it was a lot of fun messing around with them <laughs> and they, they were really nice people as well i quite enjoyed it um but uh yeah so anyway so I've, oh I've, yeah i've so taken show, away yeah, from yeah. the the, so the my last, show and, so this show is kind of uh the final the third in a, in a trilogy of shows but like that sounds so pretentious to put it that way and none of that's deliberate by the way it wasn't a deliberate trilogy i wasn't going to write a trilogy just going about this but um the uh so i did a show two years ago called recognize which was about uh it was me talking about how i'm an undercover cop um and uh going i've been undercover as a comedian for uh 
six and a half years. So, um, and bust, you know, busting people that are dealing drugs backstage at comedy gigs. Um, <laughs> but the show was really about uh, how when I get to the end of relationships, uh, I kind of go crazy. I don't know who I am anymore. And I have right. an identity crisis. Yeah, that's, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's fascinating because you do... There's um, a Fernando Pessoa quote where mm. he says, we never truly... L- I love anyone we I'm paraphrasing we love a version of them that we've cr- created in our heads right yeah which I think is completely true and I think we we, we also all as humans f- facilitate that mm. and to be quite b- b- blunt you can highlight it with the fact that you maybe don't fart in front of your girlfriend yeah. or you act around your mates in a different way to you act yeah. around your girlfriend therefore you're putting forward a false version of you. Mm. And it's not, again, it's, it's the same as I was saying, selfish shouldn't be this horrible word. There's levels of it that's right. It's the same in that. A, a bit of, of of changing is, in many ways, it can be a respectful thing. In many ways, yeah. it can be a, oh, she deserves better than, yeah. than I am. Yeah. It's not a case of, I'll trick her. I'll yeah. trick her into thinking I'm a nice person. <laughs> but it is also completely true that when it ends... If you've been been, mm. been living that for a long time, it is hard to know who you are, what bits were the person you want to be. Yeah. So are you, are you doing that because that's how you wish to be or yeah. was it just to please someone else and all that? So it's a, I'd get quite it's a fascinating needy. area. At, at the end of relationships, I found that I'd get very needy because of that. Because uh, like, almost like it kind of mirrors with stand-up in a way. Like, So when I, I was starting out and I was I was just guessing what other people found funny. Yeah. And then I had to start going, oh no, this is me and this is what... And then I had to present an, a more honest version of myself and a more confident version of myself. This is what I find funny. Yeah. And then gigs started going well. The same with relationships is that if I was always guessing what the other person wanted me to be like, then when it's kind of started going badly, yeah. I'd get very needy because it'd be like, what do you want me to do? I don't know what Just to do. tell me how I to be. I don't know because I haven't yeah. been doing my own thing all this time. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I think it was kind of that, that show was about that about how afterwards you just kind of go, you know, try and figure out what, what what you did wrong. You don't really know how to act around people anymore. So that was that show. And then the next show was called Represent, which is about doing uh, jury duty on a double murder case. Um, the first one was called Represent, wasn't it? Uh, so the first one was called Recognise. Recognise, then Represent. Then represent. Sorry, yeah. It's very confusing. No, no, it's uh, fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, the second one was called Represent. It's, it's, it's funny because you said Recognise and I instantly thought, oh, that's the same name as, as the Ronnie Size album. And then halfway through <laughs> I realised, no, the Ronnie Size album is called Represent. Yeah. That's why I then yeah. got confused when it's Represent. It's like, oh, no, I'm having the same thoughts as last time. But yeah. yeah. So Recognise um, and then Represent. Then Represent. So Represent's about doing uh, jury duty on a double murder case. Wow. And uh, uh, again, was completely made up. And, oh man! Uh, but no, jury duty is the, the best. Have you done jury no, I've duty never in done real it. life? It's brilliant. I yeah. love it. And you're not meant to talk about it, but yeah. I don't give a fuck. I had one. I had one where <laughs> they um, they had to ask the judge if they could ignore me, essentially. Right. Because in general, in jury, in 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 court, you have to get. 100%. So all of us have to be agreed right. on a verdict. And I wouldn't agree with them because right. the people that I was on a jury with were fucking idiots. Yeah. And it started that it was about 
say I think it's twelve, isn't it? So it started that it was like yeah. say seven and five. Yeah. So there was five that agreed with my kind of way of it. And the thing that was annoying me was they were gradually going over to the other way because yeah. they all wanted it to finish. Right, and that yeah, annoyed yeah. me. I was like, yeah, again, yeah. it's the whole, I won't go into great detail yeah. because it's boring, but it's the whole yeah. reasonable doubt thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, no, I, I felt you can't deny with my view of the facts that we had that you can't deny that there is reason to have doubt. That It's basically that this kid could see this person yeah. when they kicked a door in. Yeah, you, yeah. You can't tell because of again, it's boring and it's yeah, maths. Yeah. So I'll discuss it as I'm packing away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wasn't having it, and they all started to go over because they they didn't didn't want it to to go to another day. Right, and they wanted to, to to drag over, and that to go into court the first time and ask if they'd accept a majority rather than a hundred percent thing. And uh, they yeah had to ignore me. In to the ignore end. you, they all hated me. But well, yeah. I don't have standing your ground. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a stubborn prick in, in, in many ways, but it was just, I was like, well, no, I get, it's the weird thing with, with our, our legal system. Yeah. Because it's not asking you if you think he's guilty or not. Yeah. It's asking you if there's, there's reasonable doubt. Yeah. And again, I thought the kid, he seemed like a bit of a scumbag. And yeah. The, and the situation, it seemed like he wasn't, he wasn't right. Yeah. But it wasn't asking me that. It's yeah. asking you if there's, there's there's reasonable doubt, and yeah. there's hundred percent reasonable doubt. But yeah. yeah, anyway, that's just hijacking your. No, your, but that, your... it illustrates always what the show is about a bit, because like, that show was about um, doubt and yeah. uh, uncertainty, and essentially about me being raised Christian and losing my faith, and, right. and as an as an adult being agnostic and actually quite missing it, yeah, missing feeling certain about something and missing yeah. believing in something. I love that. Um, so, and the whole jury duty thing was obviously just the thing about that, about not being certain about the case and getting frustrated about it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And things like that. And, uh, and then this set, uh, this show is about how I'm about, to, so Reset is about how I'm about to go into, I'm about to join the Witness Protection Programme. Right. Uh, but the show is about how uh, I want a fresh start in life and why. And, uh, and, yeah. And the things I wish I'd, uh, I wish I'd done. I love uh, that. And so, yeah, the last three shows have just been quite a nice. They've all been involved with the legal system. So lies that are about the legal system. Brilliant. Uh, what more could you ask? That for? are a way of me talking about something personal. Yeah. Because I, I, and that's something you just learn with your persona and stuff. Like I can't just go on stage and immediately talk about personal stuff, and it doesn't fit my persona. I, th- I, I get that. Completely, and this this is the last time I'll do it because I feel early on in the podcast, mm. a few people said that I'd always try and b- bring things back to being about a story I had, which I hate, right. which I don't <laughs> do. I like people talk, but in this one, again, it's because, as I said at the start of us talking about a music the first time, yeah. there, there's so much that is relatable yeah. between our upbringings, yeah, between yeah. our, and again, even on the fact that I was brought up a Christian and I'm yeah. not anymore, and all these kind of things, but um, it's similar there. In people assume a lot of people praise my work for the openness and how honest I am about stuff and every song I've ever written is fiction except for one and it's like it's exactly the same thing it's like a lot of it will be rooted in my own personal experiences but for me it would feel cheap and almost exploitative to go up and go as you'll see a, a lot of comedians it'll be oh I had this ex and it'll all be about an ex it's like I'm enjoying this but if that's a real person I don't know if I'm enjoying it as much. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Because it feels exploitative to go, well, yeah. this is, you know. And also, like, what I want to do is kind of like, I don't think, as far as the audience are concerned, I don't think it's relevant 
what's true or not. Completely. What, in comedy what, in particular. Yeah. What it is, is really it's just how they feel about it. So if you can yeah. do something that they, they identify with, and it's, just, it's how, you're, how best you can sum it up. So if you are one of those people who's really good at talking... I saw this really amazing show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival called The Cane Toad Effect uh, by Corey White. And the whole show's true. And the whole show is about his absolutely uh, depressed life. It's very sad. A lot, there's a, a, point, a point in his life where just like... A good period of his life where only bad things happen to him and it was really awful yeah. and uh and it's all very personal and um it was this gr- it suits him to, to talk yeah. about that and you hear it and you just completely uh get swept up in it and it makes sense and i think if you're not one of those people you almost have to make people feel the same way in a diff- you feel you figure out how you make people feel yeah you know a certain way and like i just wanted to write stuff that they could relate to and so i just thought it doesn't matter the details of like for that first show for example for that undercover cop show the details of my breakup aren't relevant to these people mm-hmm. what's relevant i think is that i haven't seen a stand-up uh talking about how at the end of a relationship you can feel needy and uh you start to question who you are i haven't heard that breakup show yet i've seen a lot of breakup shows that all do different angles and yeah. my favorite ones are the ones that go yeah i do feel like that and no one's talked about that yet yeah. so i was like i, I want to talk about how they feel and how we all fit, and the shared thing. Yeah, and it's it, wicked. How my individual little details of my relationship yeah. aren't important. Yeah. Com- so I may as well say I'm an undercover cop for the whole thing. It doesn't, doesn't know who he is anymore. Exactly that, because the fact is, it's all about their experience anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's hearing it what you're saying and going, yeah. I'm now thinking of my own experiences of that. So yeah. it doesn't, there's a, again, there's, there's a selfishness as, as an audience member yeah, in that you can go, I can relate that to my life. Yeah. Therefore, I enjoy all this, all that much more. So it's, it's, as you said, it's not important. You like photos of yourself in them. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, you know, lets you know when you're in a photo. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't let you know when someone else, you don't care. So like, you want to go and see a show because you, there's so much stuff, especially with laughter, is not feeling alone. Yeah. And just going like, I'm part of a group. We're all laughing and it's safe. Uh, Oh, we we all do that. I'm not the only one who does that. I don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. And so, that's a, a big part of it. And and that, I think I, th- I say that all the time. That's yeah. you know what I mean, but it's, it's done yeah. in a way that Nudge you couldn't mates. do necessarily. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I think with those, these three it. shows, it's, there's the, there's the three kind of like things. There's the, there's the complete fiction of whatever it is, mm-hmm. jury duty, witness protection, whatever. There's the personal side. So like, you know, I, I went for a breakup or I was raised Christian and I, and I don't know what, you know, and I kind of miss it or, yeah. uh, I wish I'd gone to Kenya, which is yep. this new show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this the the proper just what we all the shared experience thing of like we all feel like this when we break up with someone. We all uh, wish that we had we were more certain about yeah. the world and life, and we all sometimes wish we could just start again. Yeah. And I think it's it's doing those three things. Yeah, it's great. It's the formula at least for these last three shows, and that's why I feel like they belong together. Have you? another thing that always and again I spoke to I only remember such specific ones because they've ended up in the book but I remember speaking to Stuart Lee about The Fringe and how weird it is how in the moment a lot of it is that Mm. there'll be an amazing show it exists then then maybe you'll tour it but then yeah the next year it's all a new show yeah are those as this is a trilogy are those ones recorded are they available are they I'm recording them next year 
Great, so, so you're going to do the trilogy. Yeah, I'm going to do all three of That's them. That's fantastic. That and, makes sense. Uh, because again, there's yeah. a lot of it I discussed then that I like the fact that these things only exist for those people there at that time. Yeah. But when it's a trilogy that kind of sits together, yeah. you kind of go, well, I want, I've got on at this point in the trilogy, I want to be able to get the first two books yeah, and, and, know, yeah. and know the rest of it. So. And also for me, it's just quite nice to go back and like, so for, for the first show of those three, um, I didn't really have, I just had you know, a mic and you know, a table on stage. And then for the second one, for last year's one, because of a certain joke that I was doing in the show, which involved me being very heavy-handed with the mic stand and throwing it around, yeah. I had to get my own mic stand. So I thought, I'll just get a custom-made one. I, so I, just, I wanted it to be red because I was wearing all red on stage Brilliant. anyway. So I was like, well, I'll just get it so it's all red and the mic will match it. And then in Edinburgh, like the stage is a bit too deep so we got a curtain that was also red to cut the stage in half Brilliant. and then I was like oh I wish I'd done this with the last show I wish the last show was this because the last show so I had you a- can find those improvements so now weeks. recording it I can go right I'm going to go back and like so for this new one it's, all, it's the exact same set as last year but in yellow amazing in like an autumnal yellow and uh, the first show was I had a, a green jacket on and a table that I uh, found one of those card tables and those poker tables yeah. that is the same colour green as my jacket Brilliant. so I'll just make the backdrop and the mic stand all green for that show yeah. so I get to record them and have it like a Wes Anderson style yeah, <laughs> like that, that deliberate thing are you familiar with uh, Rob Alton yeah I love Rob Alton I, I yeah. love Rob and he's, he's at the Fringe again this year and his shows again he did yeah. the Sky show um, the water show, which I didn't catch, and he's face. doing the sleep show, the face show, yeah. and Yellow again, show. it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. again, it's a similar thing. If it's just here's a here's a thing, yeah. but then just it made me think of it because his set will just be the sky; it'll just be yeah. blue everywhere, yeah, and things like that. And it's great. He's a great one, and again, a shout out. He'll be at the fringe. He's normally on the free fringe, and he's one of the best. Absolutely, go and watch he's him. So amazing. Yeah, I, I I always recommend him every year, and I. Uh, He's yeah, he's not quite like anyone else because he does mix stand up and poetry in a way that is seamless rather yeah. than it's so you can't really go, Oh, is this bit a poem or is this bit stand up? Yeah, that, because it, it's just such watching a, a guy flow. So yeah, like completely it's not like uh oh, there's so many acts that I love who do poetry, but when, yeah. like, when Tim Key starts doing a poem, you're like, Oh, this bit's a poem. Here's the poem. And now this bit is stand up. And uh I and agree. With, with Rob there's that thing of like you're just watching a show and you go, Well, I kind of if someone just told me you were going to see a poetry show, I would have come out and gone, "Yep, I saw some poetry." Yeah, and that was that was a poetry show that would happen to be just funny. Going to see, and you've just seen a Rob Alton. Yeah, that's all you can kind of say. Yeah, it's, his, it's, his it's Sky Show. I think I saw it f- at least four times. It might be more. And it's the most right. I've seen any show, and it was because there were points in it that would crack me up, but there was also the big ending he had would make me cry every time. Right. And it blew me away. It's like, I know this is coming. I know what this is, but I would always tear up. And I was like, I will pay for that experience as many times as you want to have that, that laughter and elation and just, just in in wonder at the weird man that's on stage, just being an odd person. But then for him to then be able to take complete control of my emotions and go, right, here's, here's where I'm going to take you. Every time I was like, Yeah. I watch it all the time. Yeah, and he seems to be, again, it's that thing, it's very rare and it's very, I think other performers find this attractive in performances. I get very drawn to this kind of people. It's just, he's just very self-assured in what he's doing. Yeah. And so he's, you know, even if he's not, he appears that way. He appears like I was like going to say, it's, that it's self-assured that. but with a real 
humbleness about yeah, it. Yeah, it's still that fun with I sent Brett to go and see him. Yeah. Brett Goldstein that year. And he came away saying, number one is brilliant. Number two, he doesn't know how good looking he is. <laughs> and he's like, he's, he's like, genuinely, he didn't have the arrogance of an attractive man that or an attractive comedian. It's such a Brett Goldstein <laughs> thing to notice. Goldstein notices that about everyone, how attractive they are. And like, but again, it's a weird one because again, he's a very yeah. attractive, and uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but he's an attractive dude. But yeah, again, there's a complete audience, lack of awareness of that. There's, yeah. there's, he's not a comedian who's up there like, I'm a good looking guy, I'm funny, I've got all this yeah. going for me. He's just up there doing his weird little thing, kind of assured, as you said, assured of what he's going to do, but unassured of if it's relevant to anyone else in the world yes. other than him in that moment. Oh, yeah. Well, do you know what I mean? I it's, it's, that, it's that weird kind of like doubts themselves and thinks oh, maybe this isn't good or whatever but certain performers like him are still like well this is what I'm doing yeah. I'm doing this yeah. and at times we'll think oh maybe it's shit maybe I should quit I don't know what, what this yeah. is but it would keep on he, he would have to work very hard to make himself do something that he wasn't 100% Completely. You know, yeah. behind and there's a comic called Sam Campbell Australian comic is going to be at Edinburgh this year doing his debut show yeah. and I gigged with him I did a week with him in Sydney there's a mixed bill Josie actually again mm-hmm. and like Steve Scott is a great character comic and May Martin is an amazing comedian uh, and um, we all just became drawn to Sam because he's one of those performers he's just doing his own thing yeah. and you know just seems to be like right this is, you know, he's just got that clear vision of this you know this is who i am as a comedian so i love it and, so yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna wrap this episode up by saying if you are going to the edinburgh fringe this year which i recommend you should definitely go and see sage francis and, and b dolan are doing a show together, oh great i didn't which know that's gonna be absolutely amazing it's a spoken word show but together it's yeah wow. from what i've heard it's gonna be stunning i'm there doing a distraction pieces but the main point of that is the book sale and I've booked a day off where I just want to get as many comedians on the podcast as possible. So there's that. But go and see um, Sam Campbell. Sam Campbell. Rob Alton. Obviously, James A. Caster. Is Brett there? I don't know if Brett's there. He's just got his big TV show in America, isn't he? He's a big shot now. He's he's going to... I think he's a bit busy. But um, Uh, who who else would you recommend? Nish Kumar. Rose Matafeo. Um... May Martin's doing a work in progress. And, and Nish Kumar is someone I've heard l- loads about great. and haven't seen anything of yet. Yeah, Nish is really, really good. Yeah. Really, really uh, funny uh, and thought-provoking political comedy. Brilliant. Um, Joel Domit is going to be uh, doing the festival this year. Holly Byrne is always amazing. I always recommend Holly Byrne yeah. to, to people. Uh, there's too many acts to yeah. to recommend, really. But, but that's like, great. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good run there that you can... Can note in your in the fringe. In fact, if you are listening to this on Acast, um, <laughs> as we mentioned each of them, and you can go back, we will have put up a link to their page on the fringe, kind of in the fringe program. Great. So you can click there and see when they're playing, or where they're playing, and all that. Otherwise, you can just go and look them up yourself, you lazy pricks. But <laughs> but other than that, that's great. So. Thank you very much. Where can people keep up to date on everything that you're doing from the BBC Three TV show, yeah. um, s- s- sounds random, yeah. to, to, to the Fringe, to touring and all that? Uh, on the, my Twitter, really, it says at, at James A. Caster. I like your website as well. You've got oh, a pretty, thanks, man. I like a pretty it. Yeah, website. I don't update it enough. The, the, gigs, the gigs get updated quite yeah. regularly, but I don't do anything else. But jamesacaster.com is the website, yeah. and that's got my tour dates on it for yeah. this new show. Uh, which will be, be touring in the autumn. T- Twitter and all that kind of all Twitter, usual places. Twitter, stuff like that. And uh, 
yeah, tw- mainly at the minute I'm tweeting about, um, I don't know, a web series called Sweet Home Lunchtime Ringer, where uh, me and uh, a camera crew have visited Lunchtime, which is Kettering's twin town, and uh, each episode is a different a different part of Amazing. that. Amazing. So, yeah. Oh, I need to, to watch that. Well, thank you very much, sir. It's been a delight catching up and talking. Thank Thanks, you. man. There you go. That was episode 104 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with James Acaster. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, there's some great Edinburgh Fringe recommendations there. I can't recommend them enough, particularly uh, Sage Francis and B. Dolan. Um, it's going to be a hell of a show. I'm so ex- excited about having them at the Fringe. I love the Fringe. And for Americans, the Fringe is quite a weird thing because it's all in one place. It's unusual. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be great. So please, I recommend you buy tickets for that. And of course, I've got my book tour, which I mentioned at the start. It's been amazing how well the uh, the tickets have been as, as selling for that. Stanford's already s- sold out. Um, Brighton and Birmingham keep coming up as sold out, but it's the allocation thing. So they're trying to up the allocation and get as many in there as possible. Um, Edinburgh is very nearly sold out. L- London is, of course the big one so <clears throat> as i mentioned uh before i'm hoping as many of you as possible can make it along to that we're gonna have some surprise guests hopefully chris and Stu from the drunk casts are going to come along and be, be, be on there um maybe my mum and dad who've been previous guests are going to come along um and they'll be there as well if you want them to sign the books and things like that and the good thing i've i've had a lot of people asking about um why aren't you coming to oxford or norwich or or insert any name there um the good thing about the London one is it's over, I think it'll be 10 o'clock at the latest, so you're in time for the last train home. The fact is we had 10 sh- sh- shows, or I had 10 days I could, could could fit it all in, essentially. So I've gone to as many places as possible. As possible. Like oh, We're not in Yorkshire, but the thought was if I do Manchester, you know, York and Leeds and many others can get to and from on the train and so on and so forth, and hopefully Edinburgh will open up kind of, your Newcastle and things like that. It's obviously we can't get everywhere. Brighton will open up. Southampton and Portsmouth, Bristol will hopefully open up. A bit of Cornwall. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll have people come along and get the trains home or whatever else. But again, we've gone as many places as possible. Um, n- next week's podcast is going to be fantastic. It's with Jordan from Rizzle Kicks. I think you're going to uh, love it. It's a fascinating chat. Um, He's doing some really cool solo stuff at the moment, which I think a lot of you would like, called A Wildhood. And then the week after that is one that I've hyped a few times. I'm going to have a t- Thomas Coles on, who's worked with me on um, all of the music videos from Introduction onwards. And we're going to we're gonna do it in two parts. One part now, one part later on in the year, kind of autumn. Um, and we're just going to go through a video at a time and give some behind the scenes information some kind of some background on them and things like that and i think it'll be a really interesting one so check those out in the next couple of weeks but most of all come along to the book tour i cannot wait um yes on to next week thank you for tuning in subscribe all that other good stuff oh, oh i mean i should also mention um say why to drugs in particular has been going absolutely mental the mdma episode just went nuts 
the alcohol episode, I think, is the most downloaded episode. It's a great podcast on the network. Uh, Tuesday Night Jaw and Stop and Search. Also, there's there's loads of good podcasts on the network. In June, we had over 450,000 downloads or listens on the network. I think it's 461,000 and something. So it's crazy. That's a lot, man. And that's because of you guys supporting. So thank you for tuning in. Um, also, I'm ending with big love for Chris Jericho, who had me on his podcast um, and put it out last week. And the love I've got from that has been fantastic. So thank you for tuning in. I'm actually going to end now. This intro seems like it's going on forever. Ta-ta.